Hi guys, welcome to Hanging Out with Hamza. This is Hamza, and today I have a special guest on. She is a friend of mine that I came across actually through dentistry. We both worked for a company and we went through a lot with that company and kind of got closer as friends and we've maintained an amazing relationship since then. Masi is a mother and a practicing myofunctional therapist right now. She was a hygienist and she's going to dig deeper into life as a mother and just going through her transitions into a new profession. Hey y'all, this is Hamza and I'm super happy we get to hang out for a little bit. All right guys, welcome to Hanging Out with Hamza. This is Hamza and today I have my dear friend Masi. She is like a sister to me. She was a hygienist I once worked with, and we just naturally became really close friends. We went through a lot together through our first year of practicing in the dental field, and we just kind of maintained this relationship for the last four years now, I mm-hmm. think. And yeah, I love her. I think she's just an incredible person, and I really wanted to have her on so she could talk about all the facets of her life. She's a very multifaceted woman with a lot of perspectives to share. So without further ado, I'm going to pass it on to Masi to introduce herself. Hi guys, my name is Masiel and I've been a hygienist for the past four or five years and now I am focusing on orofacial myofunctional therapy and I'm excited to share with you what I've learned so far and just talk about life. Okay. I wanted to talk about like our personal relationship and how we became close. Mm -hmm. So Masi and I, just to give you a background, we both started our dental chapters at an office together. It was for a a DSO, which is a dental service organization, which those are those corporate chain dental practices that you work at. As a dental student, when you usually graduate, it's a lot easier to get those jobs versus a private practice. And it's usually just because understandably so a lot of private practice dentists would prefer a little experience behind your belt and that's why a lot of dentists and hygienists will start off in these kind of fields because it gives us more experience it gives us like a better kind of you get better advantages out of it like your healthcare insurance and all this other stuff and then you can kind of go from there depending on whether you like it or not i hated it i think Masi hated it too we we just weren't the type of people that aligned with that Mm -hmm. dso style of work i felt it was very culty and i just didn't have the best personal experience with it not saying it was a bad place but just saying that it was just not something that aligned with me and i think masi and i connected on that front because we could both see through that and we didn't want to sip the kool-aid and we also just like wanted to do our own thing eventually and so even when we when i left it before masi we still kept in touch. And then Masi eventually decided she wanted to get out of the profession. So, or not the profession, but the DSO. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, that was my perspective. Masi, what was your perspective of our relationship? During our time there? Yeah. Or just like how you felt like we met, how we connected. So, yeah, I feel like it, it was very much like during the whole, we're not drinking the Kool-Aid, right? We were very similar in terms of energy to the energies that are normally yeah. in that sort of setting, yeah. right? So we were, at least I was drawn in to that setting as we're going to offer mentorship. It's going to be 
a great experience and where you're going to grow and all these things where when I got there, it was more of a, you have 30 minutes to do this cleaning and make it 25 because then you have to move to this new person that we want you to clean. So it was very work, work. Yeah. And I think Masi and I really kind of connected in that we could both see that we were unhappy, but Mm -hmm. we... We, like the the semblance of like happiness I got was knowing that there's somebody else that could see through it with me because sometimes when you're in those settings it can be tough and you can get lost in it easily if everybody else around you is following a certain way and you don't align with that lifestyle so I really appreciated having Mossy at the time and then funny enough our relationship became stronger because my brother started going to see a physical therapist that ended up being Mossy's husband and so that was kind of a crazy occurrence and just like a, a one of those like kismet situations where like everything just aligned for us in terms of our friendship and it became stronger that way because now I see Tan all the time and I'm friends with Tan and I think it's just cool how that relationship developed and I've had a lot of like friendships like that where there's like different connections but yeah. I thought that was a really cool one and yeah we've been friends ever since. That was really cool because I saw your brother on a post. Yeah. And then he had come to visit where we were working yeah. together. Yeah. And that's how I had met him That's before. when you first met him? Yes. Okay. And then there was a post where he was posted with Tan. I was like, wait. Yeah, that's crazy. That's Hamza's brother. Yeah, now my brother works with Tan. And like, they have all these like relationships together. Mm-hmm. And it's just cool how like Mossy is basically my family. And yeah, so besides that, I did want to address like something because of our relationship. Mossy really helped me through a relationship I got out of that was just basically not healthy for me and didn't help me in the long term. So she helped walk me through it. And I think what I've really loved about Masi is her perspective on life and just how things are meant to be and how you should, you know, treat yourself and respect yourself. And there are a lot of situations in that where she gave me some really solid advice and I just wanted to kind of talk about that, like your relationship. I, I think a lot of listeners also are either in a relationship, just got out of one or about to start one. You know, I think you and Tan have such a beautiful relationship. I know it's not perfect just as any relationship, but is there anything you you would like to kind of delve into of what makes your guys' relationship so strong and how you guys maintained it this long? Um. So I feel like in terms of going back to energies, right? You Tan has a very magnetic energy. So I feel like we match in that way. The other thing that I feel like it's worked a lot for us is we've found a way to speak to each other. We've found the avenues of communication that when I am trying to communicate a problem for me, he's able to understand it and vice versa, right? Like we, like you said earlier today, you, when you're in a relationship, when problems arise, it's just a problem to work through. And then once we work through it, then we move on. And yeah, just like find that's the solution. It. Yes. So that's pretty much also the kind of like perspective we bring into it, right? Like we may have disagreements, but at the end of the day, it's you and me. Right. And we're we working together. We're in the same team. Yeah. Like when people fight or have arguments, it's like they're in one corner and the other one's in the next. They're fighting each other. 
like you shouldn't be fighting each other if you're together you just look at the problem head on next to each other figure it out how it works for both of you yeah and then that's it and then move on that's a big that's something that i've i've had to work on a lot you feel like moving on and not holding the grudge yeah you me said, the Q and me. I was gonna say <laughs> wants to hold the grudge I all the time. Stereotype <laughs> that, but every Cuban I know and every Cuban I love dearly is mm-hmm. very stubborn. And very. I think that it's it's great because you know they very much know who they are and they stand firm in their beliefs. Yeah. And they can be an issue in relationships if you're too yeah. stubborn. And like shout out to Illy, my other friend who I'm really close with that. I love her. Washington <laughs> or Mossy connected with now but she's the same but she's aware of it and I think self-awareness is like so important too to know like when you're being stubborn for the right or wrong reasons but yeah to address like how Tan is and your personality I think Tan is like like we talked about he's a ball of like energy and just a go 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 Mm -hmm. always has something to do like how as you I feel like you are not saying you're the opposite and like lazy Mm -hmm. but like you are a lot more calm and yeah you know yeah when you walk in a room, you're more of a calming presence. How did you balance that kind of dynamic between you guys? Like they usually say opposites attracted. Do you do you think that's true, or do you think it was just? Um, I mean, at at some point, yeah, right. That's true. Like yeah. opposites, there there's something there, right, that drew me to him. Yeah. And he's the go 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 type, yeah. and and I feel like. We balance each other, right? Because he's the go, go, go type. And I'm, no, like, let's stop and save for the moment. You yeah. have to be present in yeah. the moment kind of girl, yeah. right? But then he also kind of, like, lights the fire under my ass. Right. Like, go do it. Yeah. Like, this whole business. Yeah. He's the one that's like, do it. Yeah. Go do it. Stop overthinking things and just go do it. You, you got it. That's awesome. So, and then when it's on his side, when he's just... During going to the point that he's just can't go anymore because he he gets exhausted. Yeah, I mean I his like you can't work is humanly be like that. Yeah, at time. So it's I I come in and I just help him relax and just like go and, yeah, like so you, you don't have of, to be on and going. Yeah, twenty four hours a day. Listen to your body if you need to relax. Just relax. It's okay. I think it's part of coming from an Asian mm-hmm. culture perspective. Like yeah. that's part of our lifestyle where it's like we have this immigrant mindset where we like move to this country and now we have to work, work, work and mm-hmm. prove either our parents or yeah. ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's good because I think it develops a great sense of work ethic, but also it can be very damaging physically and mentally. Yeah. And it's good to have somebody who can like add that perspective. Yeah. To... I feel like in life everything in balance. Yeah. Not too much of something not too little of something yeah. right so which is funny because he's always talking to me about <laughs> he's kind of he needs to work on that he's gotten a lot better good. like he's gotten a lot better yeah. and he so there's times that it's just our schedule is crazy and he we just have to go yeah and do the things but we are good now at like enjoying vacations mm-hmm. like 10 would not like we used to go to the beach with my parents like my parents been taking me to like summer vacations yeah. at the beach like my entire life like right. from cuba, Cuban, yeah. yeah that's what we did that's and that's what we've done here yeah. and once we met 
he would go with us. Yeah. Granted, they go like for seven days and Dad's like, no way, I can't be out for seven days. Like I have to go back and do it. But it was a thing that he wouldn't even lay at beach. What would he, they do? Just run around? He just, just. Do sprints on the beach? Just think about how much he had to do. Yeah. Back home. And I'm like, but you're already here. Yeah. Like that's just, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, so now in the balance, now it's, less time that we go out yeah into our vacations but then when we're there he works whatever he needs to do in the morning and then the rest of the day he just like relaxes okay. and is able to enjoy it okay yeah so. and was there i guess when you guys initially started dating mm-hmm. um i don't know i think the problem with modern romance coming from somebody still going through that is the dating world is very fickle to mm-hmm. where people are so inundated with options now and multiple dating apps multiple options there that like if they go on a date and even two to three dates in there's a couple of things that they don't align with and they don't like like you know little ticks here and there they're immediately like this isn't working out i need to go to the next person Mm -hmm. um you've been with Tant for such a long time that it's probably been before all that did you ever experience that or have that kind of feeling or was it like i think your mindset has always been to like work through things right so Mm -hmm. like what's your perspective on that how do you feel about that and do you think that that's a good thing or a bad thing based on our culture a bit based on your personal experience so i'm sure tan is obviously not like like there's probably ticks along the way that did drive you crazy with like the work ethic and whatnot but how did you say like no i'm gonna work through it with this person what was it that so i feel like it's a lot of like being born in cuba right like i still carry all those traditional values yeah so i'm i'm very traditional in that sense to me it's that's who i chose to be married to yeah and did you know that from the instance you met him, that this is somebody I wanted to marry? So it's funny you ask, because in our first day, I pretty much, I told him, I date with purpose. If this is not leading anywhere, then I, please don't waste my time. I don't want to waste your time. I want four kids if you don't have four kids, which I don't want yeah. four kids anymore. But it, it was always that. It was always like, if we're going to do this and we're going to spend the time, we're going to spend the time with intention. If this if this is not, like, if you don't want to end up in a marriage or, like, have a family, then that's, we don't need to be doing this. So it's it was always that intention was set and he wanted that. So I don't, we, we met in a different time. Yeah. Right? It, it wasn't, the craziness that it is now yeah it wasn't it and he also comes from a very traditional right did you feel like your guys cultural backgrounds were ever an obstacle just to give listeners a background masi is cuban and tan is vietnamese so those are very different cultures that i don't know like it's a very interesting combination it was it was a very it was it was one of the first opt- obstacles. Yeah. Because traditional Asian family, like parents didn't want him to yeah. do anything but marry an Asian. Yes. Yeah. So that was that was kind of hard for them to understand and to accept. And that was one of one of the things that 
I said, well, if it's not. Was it an issue on your part with your phone? No. Your parents were. Yeah. Okay. My parents were very what, open. I feel like, is that common in Cuban culture or is that unique in its own sense? Like are Cubans, I feel like Cubans are for the most part pretty proud. Yeah, they are. But. With the circumstances of maybe like life. I don't think, yeah, they, they, but they're not like, it's like, at least in my, yeah. my household, right? It was never like, well, you have to marry a Cuban. Yeah. Like, there's no, like, other option right. but to, in my it's house. Like, a, oh, it's nice if you do, but it's not necessary. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, my parents never put the pressure on me on, like, who yeah. they would want me to. And do you feel like the, I guess, the conflict there, did that cause any conflict in your personal relationship with him, having the, his parents kind of had this? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because How did you guys work through that? How did you learn that overall to know, like, well, the so the problem wasn't with us, right? The problem was with helping his parents see that it shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Right? It's it, it should be like, does this person make me happy? Yeah. So that was the 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 big hurdle, right? And in that hurdle, I was like, if you can't get your parents whoever it was to understand or like to be on board right with us like how are we gonna have a relationship that's gonna lead into any sort of future right because i'm big on family yeah i want i i had a big family in cuba we came here and it was just four of us yeah so in my mind i wanted to create a big family here so in terms of that side not being okay then how are we all gonna be a family if they're not gonna be yeah on board with us but then we came together he he made sure to like explain to the parents and they after that little resistance they they did great at opening up their minds right and accepting me and opening their house to me and getting to know me as a person right and then now it's it's good like his parents are amazing his dad is a teddy bear that takes care of all of us like they the way they show love is by feeding us. Right. They Birds. feed us <laughs> so much. I think just minority culture in general. It's yeah. love for everyone. And oh, yeah. That's a big thing. So, yeah. I did want to bring up your restaurant. Are you comfortable? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to talk about Yeah, we can okay. do it. Because Dan mentioned it was like kind of private, but I don't know. I mean, it is a little bit because it's not. So, the way that we are is we don't like to... Right. Talk about yeah. things unless it's like in motion happening. That's good. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a great mindset to have. So, yeah. I mean, I wanted to talk about it because that's literally a passion. I yeah. Think, like, you can't go in the restaurant business mm-hmm. unless you love yeah. it because it's a cutthroat business. Yeah. Like, the only successful or just any restaurant owners I know are love it. Like, mm-hmm. it's like they got into it because they yeah. had food or they loved the language behind it. So, I did want to talk about it and I think it's such a cool concept. So I guess I'll briefly describe it yeah. from what I know. It's a sugarcane bun me restaurant and it's going to focus on organic slash healthcare, healthy food. Mm-hmm. And it's going to have a lot of Cuban and Vietnamese influence in it. Yes. And is there anything I'm missing or do you want to dive deeper into that? So that's it. We're creating a product that is sugarcane juice right. and then within that there's different recipes with different fruit 
that's added to this sugarcane juice. Right. And then we're adding... This is the Cuban influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And then we're adding a combination of bun mi with your sugarcane drink. And we have different recipes that will also have some sort of Cuban Vietnamese flair okay. induced in the... And the healthy part, I'm sure people heard this and they heard healthy and sugar. I'm <laughs> confused about that. But yes, something that you and I both have learned through dentistry and just, you know, in general is that sugar is actually not as bad as people make it out to be. But what's bad is refined sugar. Yeah. So if you have sugar straight from a sugar cane, I mean, it's, it's technically not like you shouldn't be having that all the time, but it's not as bad as people think. It's actually, you know, it's it's the best way to get your form of sugar. So is there anything you want to kind of delve further into that or what like what makes sugar cane drinks like better or healthier than your everyday juice or anything? So for one, the sugar is not refined, right? It's yeah. it's kinda like saying I want to drink a mango juice. Yeah. Like it's the difference between having box mango flavor. Versus actual. versus the actual fruit, right? right? So the, if you look at the sugar cane, it's the actual. Yeah, like kids in, I mean, I'm sure in kids in Cuba, yeah. kids in Africa. I lost the teeth like, through that. Yeah, we would choose sugar cane <laughs> naturally. And I never, ever remembered us having like mm-hmm. toothaches, tooth decay, anything like yeah. that. Like I was literally chewing on those things. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, I wondered that for the longest time. I was like, man, that must have been horrible for my teeth. But then like we learned through dental school and hygiene school that like it's it's the refined sugars that cause the bacteria to produce the acids from that. So yeah, if you're ever traveling abroad and you come mm-hmm. across that. A sugar cane stint. Oh. You definitely jump on that. And now you're going to have this restaurant in Houston that's going to focus. I'm so surprised that it's not more common too. Like There is, right now there's only two. Wow. In Houston, in, in Bel Air, in Houston, yeah. Yeah. What do you think the, like, why is there such a lack of that? Is it harder to collect sugarcane? Is there something like in that that makes it complex? Well, the, the sugarcane takes a whole year to be able to harvest it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not like a whole year type thing. And not many people know about it. Right. Right. That's a, at least that's in Cuba and yeah. Vietnam and things like right. that. But that's not something that's prevalent. And is it harder or is it more expensive because of how long it takes to harvest or like, do you feel like that's an issue for people to collect that or? Um, well, the issue to get it all year long is that to get it, you have to order big amounts. Yeah. And the regular person is not gonna, and you need a machine that completely squeezes the sugar canes to squeeze the, the, the juice out. Gotcha. And those, not everyone's going to have that in their countertop yeah. okay and then so we got the sugar cane part and then we have the bun me part yeah bun me from my ignorant perspective is it's bread mm-hmm. with meat in it yeah. and vegetables so there's it is for the most part cleaner because it's not like fried or whatever but bread is technically carbohydrate right yeah. so like what what makes it healthy for you guys like how are you guys implementing the health part of it so and the health part of it is it's just the way that we're going to be making the ingredients are going to be fresh ingredients. Yeah. The the meat portion of it is going to be something that's going to be done by myself and Tan's mom. So it's going to be more of that authentic, like home cooked right. type of feel. Okay. Not cooking something just in bulks yeah. just to 
sell it. It's gonna will also be probably sourced from somewhere. Yeah, so it will be sourced from a bakery here in Houston. It will be picked up daily. So it's a bread that's made. Yeah, daily. and I do know by me from my experience, like the bread is really important mm -hmm. in terms of the freshness, yeah. the quality, because it's like a French baguette, right? Yeah. So you want it to be like, like not pure, but just like the cleanest form you can get. That's awesome. Do you know what your guys' overall opening timeline is? The timeline right now would be end of December, early early January. Okay. If everything goes according to plan, permits, and all that stuff. We're in the build-out portion of... And with opening a restaurant, I'm obsessed with the show The Bear. <laughs> yes, I love that show. It's such a good show. And, like, that, I think, accurately portrays, like... I, I, I'm speaking right in your perspective, but like it looks like it's pretty accurate for how stressful and hectic that yeah. environment is and how mm -hmm. just owning a restaurant, how much there is to it. And so is there any advice you want to give people who I guess are planning to or interested in that kind of thing? Like what is there anything you've come across during this experience so far that you think is important to share? I mean, having good mentors, right? Yeah. Getting in the room with people that have done this for a long time, yeah. I think it's essential. Right. Especially in, in any anything that you do, right? And anything that you do that you're new at, you should be in the room with those that have done it for a while. Yeah. And just soak as much information and as much knowledge yeah. as you can. Is there anything that you took away from it that you didn't expect you would with restaurant ownership? Like things that you didn't realize were so hard to do or... Well, we're very early in our yeah. endeavor to restaurant yeah. building, right? In this phase, during I during feel like the the biggest thing that has during is, is just keeping track of all of the things that we need to keep in mind to be able to get to that build out stage, yeah. right? Like all the permitting things for Houston. It, yeah. How? Well, I want to go back to the show, The Bear. Now, what's your favorite? Who's your favorite character? Who do you feel like the you would identify with? You, I love the main character. The main character is awesome. I love him, and I think his hair is the most accurate to my hair in real life. And I feel like it's so hard to find an actor. I'm like, I can copy his hair now. Yeah, yeah. that's so cool. I love his like overall personality. Yeah, I mean, I love his acting since Shameless. Yeah, I heard he's good. And that's why when I saw this show, I was like, okay. It has to be yeah. good. I have I never to watch it. That show because I don't know. I'm like a big fan of like. Well, the bear doesn't count, but like, it's hard for me to watch depressing, sad shows because like <laughs> after a long day, I don't want to get sad. Like I could never watch The Handmaid's Tale and all those other sad shows. And so yeah. shameless to me seem like that. But I did hear it's a great show. Yeah, it's amazing in it. So mm -hmm. that's cool. Yeah, he's a great actor. What's his name? I don't. No, it's a show. Like a real name. I don't even know his. Okay, name. good. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he seems like a really cool guy. It's funny because in real life, he looks really short, and he's like super short. Really? Yeah. I'm like, damn, short king. It's kind of like the guy from. A uh, lot of actors are shorter. Yeah, I met this actor from. Ah, uh, he's. I don't know his name, and I, I think it's think like a woman. Woman. He's George. No, 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 he is black with like green eyes. It's not Michael B. Jordan, right? Michael no, B. Jordan, no. I, heard is also I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. Is he? 
I've heard he's short. One of my friends said they met him in Las Vegas, and they also lie on their IMDb about their height, apparently. Do they? Like, <laughs> he said he was definitely not like six something. He says he's six something on like IMDb. It's like filters. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh. But I mean, Tom Cruise is apparently like five, six or five, seven, which is okay. like funny to think, but. Uh, but yeah, Robert Downey Jr. like apparently in Iron Man, he had to wear like platform shoes, <laughs> like stay tall as tall as. I shouldn't laugh at that. That's no, funny. I mean it's like it's funny because like. But like the the lengths that people go to. Yeah. So before we do this myofunctional thing, she does a height check for me, and I like I'm always like nervous <laughs> about my height because I'm like oh, I wonder if I'm like getting shorter or taller. But <laughs> apparently, I'm five ten. I still believe I'm five eleven, but I was telling her that like. I always tell people I'm five eleven because it makes me feel better. But yeah, I mean, height for men is like such a it, it is. Uh, well, because girls also like they're like I won't date anyone that's like not six feet, six foot or whatever. I'm like, well, what if he's like a a murderer and a horrible person? She's like, have to be six foot. Just focus on the kind of person he is. Yeah, that's it. That's a that's a healthy perspective, Masi. So that's not normal. <laughs> we need a little. But it should be. Yeah. So one thing that. I know we talk about passions and whatnot, but I also think your mental resilience through a lot of things in your life has been pretty strong. And I think it's the Cuban in you also, just with everything you've been through in life. But one thing that we talked about was COVID and how it affected us both very differently. I'm guilty to say this, but I had an overall pretty positive experience <laughs> during COVID. Like, yes, it was stressful and, you know, work was definitely like a lot, but there were things in that aspect of my life that I'm very thankful for. Like I, I was able to enjoy it with people that I really had fun with at the time. And I think I was lucky enough to still have a job. I was lucky enough to be in a safe place. I was lucky enough to not get it. And yeah, I think when I hear people complain, I do feel empathetic towards their situation, but also guilt because I, doesn't have too much of a stressful experience with it. But, you know, that brings me to your experience of it. And you did have a tough time because, you know, you were going through pregnancy and you're going through a lot just mentally with having that plus having a child to take care of. So do you mind kind of elaborating on that and what you went through and how you kind of got through all of it? Yeah. So, so I had Mason 2019 and then Eight months later, we got pregnant with Liam. And I had already, I I had quit the place at where we met. Yeah. Because I couldn't take it anymore. The cult. I, I, <laughs> the cult. Yes. And, and then we got pregnant with Liam. And I was trying to get back into work. And I had just gotten a job at another cult-like facility mm -hmm. that felt like the culture was a lot better yeah so i started working with them january went from scientology to <laughs> like I, I wanted... the other one yeah. yes so i started working with them january of 2020 and i was due april of 2020 okay so i had been with this company for like two three months and then march rolled around i remember it was march 17th yeah that was when it happened and it closed okay and then i am 30 plus weeks, 30, like almost two, giving birth. Mm -hmm. And they say there's a new virus <laughs> that's killing people and killing those that are immunosuppressed and going through pregnancy and all that stuff. So 
now you have to stay home and you can't go anywhere. So it was, it was very sudden. It was, it felt very alone, right? And pregnancy is hard in itself. Like everything that your body goes through. And then you're just shoved into the house because if you go to the outside world, then you could potentially be hurting yeah. your unborn child. Yes. You don't know how, or even dying yourself, right? So it was very scary, very stressful. I had to completely shut out the news, like turn off any sort of like cable TV and just not pay attention to that and just go into my little bubble. Mm -hmm. And it was hard mentally. Yeah. Like I've always considered myself to be a very positive person, always looking for the silver lining in things, but it got really dark. Mm -hmm. It got dark to the point that Tan come, came home one day and I was like, you need to be the sun because there's nothing. Yeah. Like I'm just, I, I don't know where to find the positivity from. So it was. And what was it that kind of pulled you out of that? Was there anything in particular that helped or do you feel like you just found it in yourself? To... So fast forward, we had Liam, um, I guess it, it like just like snowballed really. We had Liam, I went through all of that and I just, I just had the idea of like what life I wanted, right? Like what kind of mom I wanted to be. And that just wasn't what I wanted to be. That I, I didn't want to feel like that yeah. every single day, yeah. right? So then it kind of drove me into like really looking at the feelings, like the ugly feelings, sitting with them, mm -hmm. like analyzing them, understanding them, seeing where they came from, yeah. like educating myself too. That's a big thing too. Like I listened to so many podcasts, read or heard audible books and things like that, that kind of like helped me find the perspective that I needed to have, but I couldn't find within myself at that moment in time. So I'm saying looking back at it now, are you, this might sound weird, but like, are you kind of thankful you went through all that? Definitely. Or, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't. Like, would you change anything? No. Like, and I was telling this to my sister. Um, I think that's like the most beautiful. Yeah. And then I think the most involved people from those situations is the most grateful for it. Yes. Which is ironic. Definitely. It's, it's like the most traumatizing yeah. part of their life. I would choose every single thing that I've done up to now because it brings me to now. Yeah. Right. And like, it made you, it's amazing. Yeah. And I have amazing kids. Yeah. They're, oh, they're so good. And I feel like going through that has also helped me kind of like take on more challenges yeah more challenges in terms of like how present i am with them right like how able i am to kind of like help them through whatever feelings like the terrible threes and all those tantrums and like emotional things like when kids start experiencing all the emotions it's very overwhelming for them and i feel like if i hadn't experience that and like really hone in into like my feelings and understanding them and have some sort of like what's the word to be understanding towards myself and what I was going through and not be too hard yet yeah it's helped me translate that into helping my kids through their emotions and yeah. navigating and becoming a little more 
emotionally intelligent. Do you feel like what I being locked in that house and being there kind of forced you to face these things that you were otherwise running away from? Like, do you think like you were ever that type of person? Because I think I was not. It's funny because COVID wasn't when I went like experience what you experienced. Like, mm -hmm. I wish that was a time because I feel like that would probably been the perfect opportunity because you you're locked in this room and you just have to sit in your thoughts and sit in your feelings. And I think I was spoiled because I was in a happy place and I had fun. But I think in your situation, it's like you had no other option. You couldn't just go to a therapist in person and hang out or like you couldn't just go on vacation to de-stress. You had to sit there and just yeah find solutions. And it sounds like you did. Like you looked for podcasts, you looked for books. And I think that's the most important aspect of like somebody is like self-awareness in these situations and knowing like okay something's wrong mm -hmm. i need to figure out how to fix it or it's just going to get worse yeah and i think unfortunately we live in a world where people don't do that as often like they'll just accept that this is who they are and they just have to live with it which is not true like you can always improve yourself and yeah. find solutions so i think you think? i think you should learn something yeah new about yourself about the world yeah every single day so do you feel like being in that locked situation mm -hmm. forced you to do all this or do you think you would have like were you always this kind of person like were you always this person that like would work on yourself and improve yourself no i mean i i've, I've always been a very positive person mm -hmm. right but i never really like stopped long enough to like to feel these feelings yeah to feel them yeah, yeah to sit with them because they're they're uncomfortable and i would just like keep right. going right like there was no stopping to it when when this happened it kind of forced me to kind of stop and be like okay well this is the time where you either like look back on it and wish you would have done something different or you sit down and you write down and put everything on like purpose of how you want your life to be yeah because th this is not a nice feeling you're not happy you're not content yeah with where you are right now so how can you change this like what do you want for your life like what do you want for your kids life what do you want for your marriage right because at the end of the day like going down those feelings and not addressing them will weather away at every relationship you have Right. Like if I'm not paying attention to how I'm treating myself, how I'm talking to myself, how much I'm challenging myself to be better and be a better person to all of those that are around me that I love, then what are you doing? Right. Do you like think you're just you would have done this if you were single and not married and didn't have children, or do you think that that was the biggest driving factor for you? I think that was the biggest driving factor for and me. Children. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that's kind of like the catalyst. Yeah. Right. Like, COVID was a big catalyst in terms of like my my growth, mm -hmm. emotional growth, and all that. Yeah. But with Mason, I feel like that's if I could date it back to where I became more aware of like how I was showing up in the world. Yeah. yeah, it was with Mason. Okay. And the yeah. kind of mom that I wanted to be. I think we mentioned how, like, we've also been raised in immigrant households mm -hmm. where there's a lot of 
trauma. There's a lot of broken ideas of what parenting should be mm -hmm. and being lucky enough to be in a generation where we can analyze and assess and yeah. see that this is not healthy and break that cycle and realize mm -hmm. what's better and listening to you and how you approach how you behave with the kids and you know like simple things like when they're upset or throwing a tantrum it's more like a cry for love and how you show it to them instead of like cutting yeah. off from them you know like I've been in situations as a child where I was cut off from that love. Not my mom was an incredible person and I love her so much, but like, you know, she probably learned this from her past that, and it, it's carried over into my life now. Like I'm an anxious human being and I have anxious attachment mm -hmm. and it happened in my past relationship that was unhealthy where now if I get that love cut off from me, it activates this anxious yeah. syndrome and it's like the inner child in me starts mm -hmm. to like get anxious and sad and like really reach out for that and it all starts at like how do you do that like how do you break that is by like being the parent who shows the child support when they need yeah. it and you've been really awesome at doing that so I mean I try props to you for it but yeah <laughs> and then there's like a learning process to it I, I I've I've read and heard in many podcasts that what is very important with the kids is reparations mm. and how like we're all human we we're all carrying all that we're carrying right and we freak out and snap and are rude and mean or whatever but it's coming to them and repairing and saying hey look that was not on you it had nothing to do with you and everything to do with whatever it is that I'm dealing with, I'm trying to do a better job at it, you know, and yeah. that's, that goes a long way. Yeah, you mentioned how even Mason, when you threw a tantrum, like you just asked for a hug after, <laughs> like, and even though you were mad at him, you still gave him a hug. Cause yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like really. And, and like, also I've, I've felt some sort of like that withholding of love when yeah. our parents weren't completely pleased with us yeah. right and i i feel that kind of like trying to sneak in right like i feel that conditioning yeah wanting to escape my mouth but yeah. i i know you hold back on it yeah yeah are you currently going through like therapy or like how did you kind of learn a lot of these coping mechanisms some things was it self-taught like what brought you to this yeah so it's just i I had all that time, right? Like I was at home with the kids. Yeah. So I just focus that energy. Yeah, yeah. Focus that energy on that. I found the things that would kind of soothe my soul. Like okay. gardening has been a big one. Mm -hmm. And while I'm doing that, right? I I listen to podcasts or I listen to books. Like I the the first book that I ever listened to was The Whole Brain Child. And it was a recommendation from a dentist that I, I work with for a very short time. And it opened my eyes up awesome. to how the brain like develops, right? And how the brain works when you're a tiny little child. So it's helped me kind of like translate it into like everyone's a child walking yeah. around, even if you're an adult, like right. you're really, yeah, I you have a lot of things going on and it, it's helped me like look at behavior and kind of be like, okay, well, yeah. You're using your downstairs brain. Let's go up to the upstairs brain now. So I'm gonna use that on my brother all the time. <laughs> oh, he's he's 
permanently in downstairs praying that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I think like even growing up as a kid, you look at adults and you're like, wow, they're so smart. They're like adults. And then you become an adult and yeah. then you see everyone. You're like, everyone's just a fucked up child yeah. with like some triggers. Mm-hmm. And like, you just have to figure out what their triggers are. Yeah. How to work around, work through them. And yeah, it's interesting. Like being a dentist now, like I was telling you earlier, is like, I thought I was going to go into this profession and be like surrounded by these professionals mm-hmm. who are so educated and like have their shit together. Cause obviously it's a lot of work to get to where you are. Yeah. But if anything, I've realized like it's almost worse. Like I feel like oh, they get, you get so spoiled in healthcare sometimes that everybody around you respects you and like trusts you and believes in like what you say that mm-hmm. you, you almost like maintain this ego thinking that it's the right way to think and like, it sucks because it's really formed a lot of egomaniacs in our business. Mm-hmm. And it's been tough for me working in the field because there's a lot of times where I have to either maneuver around egos or step away from a practice because of an ego mm-hmm. or just like kind of figure that out. And that's been really tough because it all comes down to like how they were raised and how they took that self-awareness and if they wanted to improve it. and. It's tough. It's it's been the biggest struggle of my profession is figuring that out. And I'm not saying I don't have an ego. I for sure have one, but I feel like at least what I try to do is like if I realize I'm doing something out of selfish reasons, whatever, is like at least can I like observe is it something I can improve on or is it because yeah. like, ego is good. It's good to like know your self worth okay. and have like some confidence, yeah. but in certain aspects, like not. 24 7. yeah that's been tough and i'm sure as a hygienist working through that is tough too because there's like this like this sense of hierarchy and like belief of like one being better than the other and all this other stuff so like i'm sure you've had to work through that too yeah which brings me to like your next thing which i'd like to talk more about yes myofunctional therapy yes (laughs) um Masi used to be a hygienist. Uh, she still is technically. But yeah, licensed. I'm practicing within my hygiene license, right. but there's a little loophole She's where I can practice yeah. oral facial myofunctional therapy. So tell me more about this oral facial So oral facial myofunctional therapy is physical therapy for the muscles of the face and the mouth. Okay. Right. So what we're trying to accomplish here is to have the correct posture for your facial muscles so that we can get you if you're an adult, to breathing better through your nose, Mm -hmm. right? And getting a better night's sleep. Yeah. Getting that oxygen correctly through your brain to get you to hit rim Mm -hmm. and have that good night's sleep where you're feeling better. Yeah, you're having a healthier lifestyle. Yeah. We talked about one thing that we face in dentistry that's really underdiagnosed is sleep apnea and Mm -hmm. people who have, you know, um, breathing issues and it all starts with the mouth and you know how it's formed and how you know formulate it when you're, you're speaking you're breathing you're sleeping and everything and I think it's cool that you're focusing on that because it's something you don't come across a lot in our profession and with having that background do you feel like it's something that I think what I was what really like want to address is how in dentistry we tend to put band-aids on a lot of things mm-hmm. when we're not addressing the underlying 
overall issue, which yeah. is sleep issue, sleep disorders. So when you approach it, is there anything that you want listeners to know symptom-wise that they should consider looking into myofunctional therapy? Yes. So you wake up unrefreshed. You wake up knowing that you didn't have a good night's sleep. Bags in your eyes. Bags under your eyes. If you wake up feeling very sore on your neck, okay. your jaw, Yeah. that means that you're clenching because you're trying to open up that airway. Yeah. Right. That means that your your muscles are not like really functioning and firing correctly. Right. Right. So. Yeah, because as a dentist, what I typically come across is you see grinding and you're like, okay, here's a night guard. Mm -hmm. All right, take care. And it's not addressing what could be causing the grinding, which yeah. you know, like there's so many other issues, like you stated. And so, I I wish that was something that was more focused on in dental school and mm -hmm. hygiene school and just like things that we could address more often yeah because it's not in the teaching of hygiene or dental yeah and right? it's crazy because like i could do a filling one day and mm -hmm. they come back and they're like the filling is popped out or the filling hurts or anything mm -hmm. and most likely not you know ego aside i think i do really great fillings and whatnot but i think like you could think like oh what did i do wrong is the filling not right but it could just be that they're they have sleep apnea and they're grinding really hard. It's, it's just that they're looking at things through like a tiny little instead of yeah. like opening it up and like just looking at the whole individual yeah as a whole right like the mouth is connected to the rest of the body yeah and like how are we not therapy is like such a commonplace science now like we look at the entire body we see okay, your right arm is more slashed than your left arm because you're doing something yeah. in your daily life, occupational therapy. So I think it's incredible that we haven't reached that yet with dental therapy, like, you know, having this. So I do think it's amazing that you're doing this, and I love that you've approached this field just like with a restaurant business. I think it's something that, like, you know, it takes a lot of risk, and it's a lot of, yeah. like, you know, just dedication to your craft. So props to you for doing that. Um, yes. When you... I guess take take us through a walk of like a patient. Let's pretend the listener is a patient and they're about to come see you because of this. They think that they might have sleep apnea, like they have sleeping issues right now. How would a typical exam go about? So a typical exam would be me taking a couple of pictures for the intake. I want to see um, the tongue placement in a couple of different spots. Right. I want to see um, the color of your palate, like how developed is your palate if it's concave or if it's a dome shape yeah so we would like it to be i evaluate to see if your tongue can move in the full range of motion yeah that it should or or if it has some tethering tissues we look at overall posture like oral facial myofunctional therapy doesn't give you the benefits the full benefits if you're not looking at it in terms of posture and how we're doing this movement i look at the tongue if the tongue is not moving separate from your lips or even some people recruit like neck muscles to be able to move their tongue oh wow so through this evaluation i'm looking at all of these movements and i'm looking at all the compensations that you make i'm looking at face development if i do measurements of your face to see if the development has been even yeah or where is there more development than the other side normally is. just for listeners she measured my face and it's symmetrically perfect <laughs> in all aspects so i just want to confirm that that's on record so no, on just, record no, Masi basically said i have a slight tongue ties and, <laughs> you know i'm not that perfect i have so many perfections but <laughs> slight 
Yeah. And Masi, you said you were slightly longer on the right side than your left. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. So I always, no, it's okay. <laughs> You're okay. So I've always noticed that my glasses kind of sit yeah. one higher than the other. And I never really understood why. And now that I'm studying this and I'm looking at myself, I mean, I'm doing therapy for myself and yeah. I'm doing that for the kids. So I'm, I'm just Learn criticizing everything. Yeah. So then I, I've noticed that on my right side, there are more constrictions under my tongue. Yeah. And that is what's prevented this side of my face from developing at the same rate. Do you feel like it's side? affected your speech pattern? You Definitely. Think, yeah. Or, I, or are you just think, like, oh, I'm just Cuban. That's how I speak. No. Well, I always put it as like because of learning Spanish. English yeah. and Spanish being my first language. That's why my tongue is like, crazy and yeah. doesn't move correctly but yeah. no it's because of and i remember it's crazy because i remember when i was younger they took me to get evaluated and they said you don't have a tongue tie oh wow so they were i don't they didn't know okay it's back and yeah it was in cuba yeah plus their judgment of tongue tie probably means like it's like right at the tip and it's yes like it's like mm -hmm. very evident but yeah. there's many, like you said, variations. Yeah. Like, what was I? I'm average or 40%? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 50, 50 on the back. Yeah, okay. and then 80 on the tip. Okay. So, yeah. And then just g growing. And then it went into all my teeth were coming out. And they said, well, you don't have any space, mm. right? So you're going to need braces. But just in case, we're going to take out the premolars just to see if we can add more space so you don't need braces. Yeah. But now it's shown that by doing that, you decrease the space. Did you lose your premolars? I had two in the top and the two at the bottom. They're oh, okay. gone, like the first premolars. Be because of that. Yeah, so I would go every other year or however the, the growth chart yeah. is. My dad would extract teeth to open space for those to come out. Yeah. So they would come out like with like straight and in a better position okay. but then I mean, that's interesting yeah and if you look at a child the the primate space that's necessary yeah you should be able to put a penny in between each one of your child's teeth in the primary division yeah. that means that you have enough space right for the yeah, other teeth don't. to come in yeah. if you have a three-year-old with crowded teeth then you should really consider going to a pediatric dentistry yeah that focuses on airway and on expansion early expansion okay. that's been proven to be great that's awesome for kids and to get them started right so yeah we don't have to okay are there any myths or anything you've come across with my functional therapy that you feel like are good to nip in the bud for listeners now like myths? obviously with dentistry we like the typical like don't rinse your mouth after you brush your teeth stuff uh -huh. like that anything that you've come across that's I guess, commonplace, but obviously not true. I guess just teachings that I learned in hygiene school, like pacifiers. Yeah. Yeah. What's the thing with that? Is yeah. They would be like, it's okay if it's an ortho. Yeah. But with Mason, I, I did the ortho pacifier and now we're dealing with an open mouth okay, and so a tongue thrust that is really hard to... What's the difference? So the orthopacifier, first of all, mm -hmm. doesn't work. It's the same issue. And mm -hmm. second of all, what's the, I guess, solution to that? Just no pacifier at all? Yeah. 
I would say no pacifier at Just all. Because if you really think about it, you're putting the pacifier right, so the tongue is under. Yeah. And it's not really. It it's laying low. It's not. So it's losing the tonicity. Like it's not being exercised. It's not practicing getting in the spot that it needs to get into. Right. So the the tongue should be the tongue the tip of the tongue should be behind your top front teeth, and then the rest of your tongue should be resting on your palate. Okay. with your jaw close and then there's a space in between your teeth they should never be touching so that other. goes for a thumb sucking try to break that habit if you can so we also through the course that i took they also gave me teachings on how to do habit elimination okay so i i you can teach that in your month mm -hmm. functional yes okay. so when you see kids typically do you do a different exam when you do that or is it the same it's structure. the same depending on their age right because yeah. this therapy is very like they have to follow directions they have to follow yeah. like a exercise program yeah. so depending on their age like it's how much we teach and how what exercises we do and all that stuff with parents that could be listening to this and looking at their kids growth patterns like my sister's always texting me and asking me questions are there any which i looked at the video that you sent me of your nieces and oh, yeah. I looked at their teeth and oh, like did. their face. I was like, okay. okay good. <laughs> but one of them is a thumb sucker. Oh yeah. We're going to work on that with, but yeah. But they say it's okay though, but no, like it's, you're applying constant pressure and that's what shifts things, right? Yeah. Like that constant. As a dentist, I see that with patients that are adults now, like I can see their palate is narrow. And you can and see the teeth are flared up. It's like basically complete, perfect representation where the thumb looks. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to suck my thumb. Thank God I didn't kind of get that but that's why i mentioned earlier when she did the exam that i was worried i might have a narrow arch because i suck my thumb all the time mm -hmm. and my mom would put like chili powders and like, all this <laughs> stuff it's like now i just love chili it's like now i love spicy <laughs> stuff probably because of that but yeah is there anything that you could mention to parents right now that they're maybe seeing in their child like maybe speech patterns or breathing habits anything that would kind of give you so watch them sleep okay. if they're sleeping with their head up their mouth open. They're gasping for air. Okay. Okay. If one of my they just move at night, if they're just like switching positions, they're not getting a good night's sleep. Okay. Okay. They're not hitting that rim. If you hear them snoring, yeah, you you should get that. And in terms of speech patterns, is there like the lisp? Yeah, the lisp with Mason. We we had to do speech for a while after the phrenectomy because yeah. he his articulations were horrible okay. he would they were just not there and okay. it took him a little while to be able to actually like get his speech up to date so yeah with speech it's another telltale sign that the tongue's not moving correctly and how much does stress play key in this all for like sleep apnea and all that because i always bring it up with patients you know st stress attributes to a lot of grinding and whatnot but do you think that's only like one small factor of it? Is it other stuff that attributes to it? Or like, is it mostly to do with genetics and like how your physical formation of everything is what, attributes to it? You mean the grinding? Like no, how the like, yeah. like I always attributed it to like, it's probably stress induced, but is it actually? So, I mean, sleep apnea is right. Like your brain's not getting the oxygen. Right. Right. If your brain. It's like a cycle. Right? Yeah. So, and then you're always on that, like fight or flight yeah right your body's always on that stressful because you're not getting rem yeah. yeah 
and and your brain's not regenerating like when we're sleeping like our brains mostly like when we're kids right like they're regenerating they're like kind of like taking things out like whatever memories we don't need they take it out and like it's just detox yeah, yeah pretty much if you're not hitting that then you're like on a constant like fight or flight like cortisol levels yeah. are high if also with kids if they sweat they shouldn't be sweating unless it's like a hot room or whatever but if the ac is on the the fan is on a child shouldn't be sweating yeah. that means they're in that fight or flight like trying to breathe trying to yeah. gasp for air wow so yeah so that's amazing well i'm learning all this from my imaginary child to, it's <laughs> i mean it but yeah yeah no it's good to know for patients too because i mean um like as a dentist it's just it's tough because we look at everything as a hammer nail situation mm -hmm. and there's so much more to it. Like you said, yeah. we're looking at it through a microscope. And I think the day we start to reflect more on that functional aspect of it, I think we'll probably have less implant failures, less fillings falling out, like less grinding. And I mean, yeah, imagine like someone sitting with their jaw and their tongue in the correct posture, right? And yeah. you leave that it's it's called a freeway space. It's like three millimeters yeah. that should, you should have yeah. in between your teeth. You're not grinding that. About this. So yeah, it's it's like the the baseline knowledge is there for us. We know in free spaces, video, all that stuff, but we're not learning about the underlying mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's there. We're not connecting the dots. Yeah, because it, it's a a multifactorial type of thing, right? Like it's 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 different. It it's the MDs, it's the dentists, it's the ENTs. Yeah, right. It's like we all have to come together yeah I think and, that, and work together and that's that's a big yeah the, it all goes back to that ego thing again it's like i think nobody wants to i, I don't guess, know hocus like, focus yeah like no such not thing. my problem i'm going to send it to this guy or not my problem i'm going to send it to this guy and then it's eventually it becomes like a it's i can't figure out what's causing it but i can fix this one thing that was caused <laughs> by it and it's like it's crazy, but, mm -hmm. and I'm guilty of it too, because like, yeah, if I don't have the natural or the resources to understand what's going on, I'm just going to do what I know best. Mm -hmm. What I know best is to do a filling on that tooth that has a broken, whatever, grinding. So, but, and also is having that mentality of like being a, a, a lifelong learner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just cause you went to school for this science changes. Yeah, every day right. there's things that we find that's why we have see every day right so like just being open to the changes yeah. just being open to like actually seeing like breathe institute yes yeah. like a a really good it's done a very good job at bringing the research for omp Speaking and all that. that so we talked about myofunctional therapy in terms of hygienists and dental students and <laughs> dentists and hygiene students listening to this what resources would you recommend to them? Okay, so I would start with um, Christy Gatto's book. I can't remember okay. right now the title of it, but I'll send you a picture so okay. you can. So the the person that wrote the book was Christy Gatto, and it's just a comprehensive way of learning of the muscles, the nerves, and all that stuff that happens in the face and the yeah. mouth. Gasp by Gelb is a good book to read. And it talks into like sleep apnea and all that stuff. Tongue tied, if you're experiencing or having someone that has a tongue tied issues and things like that. Breath. Huh? Someone like me. Mm -hmm. Breath. Okay. Bye. That's one I've heard a lot about. Um, 
Mm -hmm. had a lot of traits. It, it goes into depth of why it's so important like breathing to breathe. Itself. Yes. And the volume that you breathe in. Yeah. And the importance of just breathing through your nose. Or like okay. Um, yeah. So you guys heard those. I will mention those in the description mm -hmm. and I will try to get all your sources from whatever you recommend for them in the description. So if you guys are interested, feel free to check that out. I guess we've covered quite a bit and I'm very thankful that I could have you on here. This is a great Thank you episode and I appreciate just the input you've had on it. Um, in terms of like how I like to end these, I think since I asked so many questions, I think it's fair to ask you or not ask you, but give you the chance to ask me any questions mm -hmm. you might have or curiosities. And also if you want to give a background about just Allison, like, um, yeah, I am curious, like your impression of like when we first met, was I, how was I as a dentist? Hopefully I was like a good friend to like, or a person. You were too. So when I first meet people, it, I, the best way I can describe it is like whether we hit it off or not it's kind of like a sunny day versus like a cloudy day mm -hmm. depending on the person and the energy they have like if it's bad like it feels like a cloudy day just came over me but with you it was more like a sunny day type of feel like okay. i felt like we're we're coming like souls in yeah. a way i feel like we we see life very similar yeah so that like really drew me to you and glad to hear that yeah glad you tolerated me during that stressful work it wasn't hard i mean we had to tolerate yeah. a lot worse but yeah but i guess i guess to end it do you have any questions or curiosities on here yeah just thinking now right who you are now and who you were then what do you think is the 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 one thing that you've learned about yourself that you're like wow I think, yeah, because you and I have been through a lot with everything that you know I've been through, I have built like a little sense of resilience and kind of knowing that there's always like the other side of it. Like, I think when you're in it and you go through it, it's pretty shitty and it feels horrible and you're like, when is this going to end and like, what's going to happen? And it's like always cliche because you're like, oh, like, you know you'll get better over time but when you're in it you don't believe in it yeah you're just like no this is like this is it so i think like myself now is a little bit more resilient to that stuff mm -hmm. but it still takes time and it still sucks when i go through it and i still do feel anxious and stressed and depressed at times but mm -hmm. there is this like light of hope i feel like yeah. just like hearing your voice hearing a lot of my friends voices just being there to talk through it and you've always been great at like if i am going through something and I want to talk about it like you're always receptive and you always give great advice so i think that's something i've learned too is like instead of harboring this stuff internally and just like sitting in it like i'll reach out to people and like that helps with the resilience too is like just knowing that i have a lot of people on my side that are willing to help and support me so yeah hearing your whole story about like what you went through with COVID is very inspiring I can't imagine going through that, especially while having like a human being to take care of it's a lot. So it, it's taught me also just not to be like too selfish in that regard. Like there's other people that rely on me too, maybe not a child, but like 
I also need to like pick myself up so I can take care of other people when they need it. So that's like super important to remember. But yeah, like I said, I'm super grateful for you and our friendship mm-hmm. and Tam and just knowing you guys has been really great. Just being able to like take notes from what a good healthy relationship's like and hopefully carry that into one eventually I get into. Yeah. And one day we can go on a double date and laugh at all. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just want to say thanks again, Lassi, for coming on here. No uh, I appreciate all the information. Thank you for having me. It was, so it's funny. been it's been a great challenge. Yeah. And yeah. Lassi was it's nervous. It's out of my zone for sure, which I love because that's one of the things I'm going down now. Like if I say I can't do something, I shut myself up and I do it. Yeah. And just it did awesome. Thank you. This is definitely in my top favorite episodes i've done now and i think like just you know y'all hear that yeah <laughs> just kidding she's a, <laughs> just a good person to talk to you so if you guys ever want to reach out to mossy is it okay if i shoot of first? course definitely. So i'm going to share mossy's personal instagram and all of her information about her practice in houston and if you guys are interested in it and you live in houston uh, feel free to check her out and if you have any further questions about myofunctional therapy, being an awesome mom, Cuban food, where their new restaurant will be, feel free to reach out to her. Her name is Masi. And if you need physical therapy, I'll share Tam's information too. Yeah. But thanks again for listening to Hanging Out with Hamza. This is Hamza. And thank you again, Masi. Thank you. Take care. Bye.